I don't think there's anybody here this morning who would argue that we have been living in some very challenging times. Maybe the most challenging times that we've ever experienced in our lifetimes. And so these are certainly challenging times. There's obviously been all this coronavirus business that's been going around and all the rules and regulations and restrictions and lockdowns that have pertained to that. Uh, that's been really challenging. Even this morning as we were assembled here, uh, we've had to deal with some of those unique challenges that we're not used to at all. Um, I would join with Matt in thanking all who had a part for 11 weeks in making our meetings out in the parking lot uh, possible for us. This is better. This is not perfect yet, but this is better. But certainly these have been challenging times in relationship to that. Then, of course, within the last couple of weeks, we've had all of the civil unrest and the protest and the rioting and looting, and, and that's certainly been a stressful thing to observe and to know about. In, time, in challenging times such as these, and as I said, I, I believe most of us would probably say these rank right up there among the most challenging times that we have ever dealt with, there are a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, and Christians, of course, are not immune from making those kind of hard decisions. As I said, right here in the local congregation, we've had to make some hard choices. Uh, and uh, it's just challenging. But we're very thankful that we have an inspired guide to help us in such times as these. And what we want to talk about for a few minutes this morning is what believers do when they are faced with challenging times. We want to look to the Word of God for encouragement and instruction into how we, as His people, should deal with such challenging times. Stop here again just briefly to thank you all for being present on this Lord's Day. We have a glorious, beautiful weather day in Middle Tennessee. And it's a real blessing to be able to be together and to be able to be get together in the church building, in the air conditioning one of the things that we dodged for several weeks while we were out in the parking lot was extremely hot weather. We had one Sunday where it was a little stifling to sit in the cars in the sunshine. But other than that, we made it fine. We had one real rainy day. Uh, but boy, it'd be hot in the car today, wouldn't it? And that sun baking down, uh, temperature in the 90s. It's a real blessing to be able to be together in the air conditioning. We thank you all for being here. We have visitors today and we're grateful for our visitors. We want you to know that. We hope you'll come back every time you have a chance. And if you have any questions about what we're doing together here at College View, please ask those questions. So what do, what do believers do when they're faced with challenging times? I want to suggest to you an obvious first thing to do, and that is to pray. Prayer is a powerful tool, and we ought to use it. Can you imagine somebody, and you, you walk up on somebody and you're observing them, and they're trying to drive a nail trying to drive a nail into a piece of wood, but they've just got a big old rock, and they're just trying to pound that nail into that board with a, with a rock. And you stop there and you say, Hey, mister, you know, a hammer would work a lot better for that. That's the tool designed for driving it. Yeah, he says, i got a hammer. I just don't use it very often. And there he is pounding away that rock when he's got a better tool that he could be using, and he's not using it. That'd be senseless, wouldn't it? That'd just be crazy. Well, I think that that probably is the way we ought to view ourselves when we neglect to use this tool of prayer that God has given it, given us. It's, it's just all too often neglected. We need to use it. 
And in troubling, challenging times like we've been facing, it's a great time to use the tool of prayer. A famous, very short expression from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 is, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We ought to always be in the mind of prayer. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that you pray constantly without ever doing anything else. There wouldn't be time to do other things we're commanded to do if we were praying 24-7. But this, I think, suggests the idea of always being in a mind of prayer and using prayer often in our lives. I want to tell you, these were not just idle words by the Apostle Paul. When he said, pray without ceasing, we know that his personal practice was that way. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 3, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. And so Paul wasn't just telling you, he just wasn't spouting some words that didn't have any significance or meaning. In his own personal life, he used that tool of prayer. And I believe that we can and should as well. So when faced with challenging times, a great reaction, of course, is to pray. Use the power of prayer. In the course of those prayers, be thankful. I think it is so easy for us to focus on our troubles, our problems, our issues, and fail to appreciate all the good things that are around us, even in challenging times, the most kind of challenges are also accompanied with great blessings. And we should never lose sight of the good things. And we ought to be thankful. There's a lot to be thankful for uh, in our lives, to be sure. Go back to that text we were just looking at, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. I want you to notice the context of the very next verse. In verse 18, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, certainly, being thankful, uh, generally and even specifically when we pray, we need to, as the song says, count our many blessings, name them one by one. We should spend some time being grateful and thankful. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Okay, that's what we've been talking about, prayer and supplication, right? With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So, as you're praying, as you're thinking about the troubles and trials, the hardships that you may be facing in your life, don't forget to be thankful. That's what believers are instructed to do. That's what we ought to do. I think we need to be busy trusting God, too, and consciously putting our trust in God. I'm concerned, and you may be as well, that in the course of all of these challenges that we've been facing, there there have been, I think, manifested some failures to trust God. And that's come in the form of some personal activities of individuals who maybe are lacking the trust in God that they ought to have. And so they, they have altered themselves in such a way that maybe manifest that they're not trusting God. I think... Uh, in sort of observing and being in conversation with folks from other parts of the country, other parts of, of our state and other parts of the country. I think maybe even congregationally, there have been some manifestations of the fact that we don't trust God and we don't trust His plan and we don't do things His way. 
just as soon as a, a, a problem arises, maybe throw Bible authority or scriptural patterns out the window and do it the way we think might be best. Well, when we do that sort of thing, either individually or congregationally, when we do that, I think we're manifesting a, a lack of faith and trust in God. Uh, be sure to keep trusting God and trusting His plan and His way and His promises even in challenging times. In Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope, is the, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. That's a great promise, right? And those kind of promises are found throughout the Word of God. We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him that He blesses us when we seek to do His will in our lives. Trust God. The prophet Nahum said in chapter 1, verse 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knoweth them that trusteth in Him. Notice, He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Well, that's what we're talking about, right? Troubling times, challenging times. But notice this expression, he knoweth them that trust him. What's going on in your life? What are the particular issues that you're dealing with? Maybe in the course of this pandemic, uh, what are some of the particular challenges that you have faced? Isn't it amazing to think that the God of heaven, the almighty creator of all things, cares about your particular problems and my particular problem i'm overwhelmed by that really to stop and think about the fact that god bothers himself to be knowledgeable about what's going on in my life he knoweth them that trust in him that is an amazing thing uh, and we ought to take that to heart and it ought to cause us to trust him he knows what's going on hebrews chapter 13 Verses 5 and 6, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man, what, what can man do to me. I will not fear. Are you, are you able to say that? Are you honestly able to say, I will not fear and really mean it? We need to put our trust in God. Trust God. He knows our problems. I want to suggest to you that a very important aspect of how we deal with challenging times is that we, we keep working. We keep being busy in His service. In tough times, there's a real temptation to just sort of uh, hunker down, sort of dig a hole and crawl in it, uh, to shut down, to do nothing, just completely you know, stop functioning in, in, in many ways. And that just doesn't work. That's a wrong approach. And spiritually, it's, it's harmful to us to do that. I want you to recall, and I know you're familiar with the story of Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet of God, a great man, maybe one of the greatest men who ever lived in the history of time. Elijah was a powerful, powerful servant of God. You remember the confrontation that he had with the prophets, the hundreds of prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah, standing alone, confronted these hundreds of prophets of Baal in that very dramatic episode on Mount Carmel. But immediately following that, you remember that the horrible, wicked queen Jezebel vowed that she was going to kill him. And 
excuse me, let me go back a minute here. Here we go. Uh, in, in 1 Kings 19, verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life. Well, I think that that was an understandable reaction on his part. You talk about t- challenging times. Here's Jezebel, and she said, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. I'm going to see to it that you are dead by this time tomorrow. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? You talk about challenging times. Elijah was certainly facing challenging times, and he was afraid. He had good reason to be afraid. This woman was powerful. She could cause him that very kind of trouble. His life was at risk and he ran for his life. But we know how the Lord addressed that. Elijah came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. Okay, we understand that. What did the Lord say? And the Lord said to him, Go. You shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shall you anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. The details of that are not terribly significant to the point we're trying to make here. The point is, here's Elijah, afraid and running for his life. He was facing tremendous challenges. What was God's answer to it? Elijah, you get busy. Here's some assignments for you. I've got some specific assignments. I've got some exact work I want you to do. And so I think that there's a a lesson in that for us that when we're facing challenges, don't let it keep you from doing what you can. Do all that you can. Do more than you've been doing when you're facing challenging times. That's what believers are instructed to do in the Word of God. I want to tell you that I think also... As we face challenges, we ought to give generously. You know, during all this coronavirus business, we have seen some crazy hoarding of things, haven't we? I mean, there for several weeks, it was a challenge to know if you're going to have enough toilet paper to get through the week. People were hoarding toilet paper, of all things. I never did understand why they were doing that. Jacob pointed out, he said, he said this is a respiratory virus. Why are people hoarding toilet paper? They were, they sure were. But there's just a sort of a tendency in tough times. I'm going to get this stuff. I'm going to gather it up and I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm going to hoard it all to myself. It's a bad reaction. And it should not be typical of the people of God. Challenging times provide great opportunity for giving. I want to remind you of a passage we've looked at several times in the past. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Beginning verse 1, Paul says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in a great deal of affliction... Now, emphasize that. They were in a great deal of affliction. So they were, they were in tough times. They were in challenging. In a great deal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord 
begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not only as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. We remember that the context of this statement was that Paul was taking up a collection. He was on the, he was on the tail end of his last missionary journey. And he was going back to Jerusalem. And as he went among the churches, he was taking the gifts that they had offered. He was serving as their courier or messenger to convey those gifts to the needy saints in Jerusalem. And these people were, these people, the churches of Macedonia, they were facing a great deal of affliction, but he speaks of their liberality and their giving. They gave. Uh, they gave beyond their ability, he says. They gave of their own accord. So, in fact, they, they were begging us for the favor of being able to participate in the support of the saints. These are really generous people. And so when we think about giving, the first thing we think about is what I think Paul was talking about here in these statements, financial giving, monetary giving, so that good things can be done in the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, financial giving is not the only kind of generosity we need. Notice, they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. There's a lot of ways to give of our time and our efforts. And in challenging times, we need to look for special opportunities to do even more. And I think, if we're honest, uh, all of these issues that we've been dealing with in recent weeks have given us opportunities if we looked for them. And so, what do you do when you're facing challenging times? You give generously, not just of your money, but also of yourself in doing the will of God. Finally, let me suggest to you that in challenging times, believers keep their eye on the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, of course, is not that we avoid the virus. We'll take whatever measures we might uh, to try and avoid the virus. I don't think anybody wants to necessarily get deathly sick with the virus. So, but that's not what it's really all about. Uh, it's not all just about the economy. You know, our country's economy really in deep trouble. And, and some of you all have been laid off and other things have happened economically. But that's not the main thing. We'd like to see the economy recover, but that's not the main thing. It's not necessarily the main thing that our government be able to put down all of the riots and the protests and, and that it all become peaceful again. Well, that certainly is important and we want to see that happen. But the main thing it's about going to heaven, right? And so when you're faced with challenges and difficulties, what, what you need to do is keep your eye on the main goal. All the rest of this is going to be over. One way or the other, this is all going to end. For every one of us here, this is all going to end. This is just temporary. This is very temporary. But heaven is for eternity. Philippians 3 Beginning verse 7, Paul said, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and I may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. That's the only thing that really ultimately mattered to Paul. He had it right. And that view that he had is the way that we need to look at it. As we said, everything else is just temporary. Heaven is forever and so as we face challenging times, we need to remember that and keep our eye on the ultimate goal. 
What's your situation this morning? Are you prepared to have that ultimate goal of heaven in eternity? Have you become a Christian? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for remission of sins. Have you done that? If you have not, but you understand and understand your need to do so, we would urge you to make that decision without delay. We'd be anxious to help in your obedience today. We'd be anxious to study more with you if you have questions that need to be answered before you make that choice. However, we may serve you that way. Let us know. If you're a Christian, but in all honesty, you'd have to say, maybe these challenging times have derailed you and taken you off the right course. Or maybe just something else going on in your life has caused you to not be the Christian you need to be. Then we beg you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.